The following program is brought to you in living color. Just the sort of nonsense that helps perpetuate all this awful snobbery about wine. Isn't it a shame that this wonderful stuff wine can be a source of one human being feeling inferior or superior to another? I like big, in-your-face, tannic reds, and that makes me a superior and special kind of person. I mean, please, but the only purpose of this wonderful stuff is to give us enjoyment. It's The Wine Crush, the show that's all about the grape. And now, here's your vintage host, Laura Lawson. Sounds like fun. So she's probably paid to say that. Welcome to The Wine Crush. I'm Laura Lawson, your favorite Chardonnay guzzling diva, and you are listening to the show that's all about the grape in all its glory, all the vine, all the time, everything you ever wanted to know about wine and were afraid to ask. That's what we are here for. We are your media resource for everything about our lazily coming online, thinking to begin to commence to look like a grape and, you know, just kind of hang out for a while. What, what does it look like before it looks like a grape? It looks like a seed. I know that's so like a straight from seed to grape. There's no, no there's no pupae stage or no, anything like that. The tiny, there are these tiny little hard things that kind of look like a BB. Oh, hmm. Well, everybody, hey, most people, you were, you, you know, you were hatched. So, yeah, oh, yeah, so that's exactly. not an issue, but Thank most you. things start off small and grow bigger. Yes. You, however, came I just out. kind of came out. The shell cracked. There I was. Yeah. Your shell's still been cracking for a long just time. Yeah, that's nothing new and different. All right. Well, you people are stuck with me today, and I don't know whether it's just been the changes in climate, the changes in weather, everything else, but uh, I, I am in one of my rare moods today. Mm-mm. That that dark side of my personality oh, dear. is coming Oh, out. no. And it just, uh, I, I'm convinced that common sense is dead. Somebody did write the obituary for common sense once, and I'm firmly, firmly believing that uh, it, it finally has come. I, I believe that, but what convinced you? I'm looking around, you read the news, you read the articles, and it's fun putting together a wine show. It really is, because you get to touch so many different things and see so many aspects. And it's interesting what people will send to me as far as news and studies on wine. And in the past week, I have received everything from, did you know that higher alcohol will actually decrease the amount of flavors that you taste? Really? I'm shocked. I don't know. That's obviously someone who's never picked up a bottle of moonshine or never taken a sip of anything that's 120 proof and mm. realize you can't taste anything for three days. Really? Alcohol makes you not taste things. So you, you just look at things that people spend good money on. And again, we're still going back to the government getting involved with uh, Mira Wines and the fact that there are eight cases at the bottom of Charleston Harbor. Uh, one case had to come up for testing and now they can't sell their wines. In fact, right now they can't even taste their wines to see what the difference is. I promise you, everybody has better things to do than worry about what's going on with those eight cases of wine. Yeah. And you just look at that and think about the time, the resources, the energy. And it makes me believe that we can have a broad listening base. And yes, anyone who's truly enjoying the crush and enjoying wine has graduated high school. But we we never really graduate high school is what it comes down to. We are eternally stuck in being in that high school building with everybody else and all the little clicks and everyone still acts like there's i don't know 14 15 16 year old i have my own theories about that i think we go to the wrong i think we go to high school at the wrong time in our lives we go to high school when all these hormones inside of us are swirling around making us think crazy things and we don't really absorb anything in high school did you i would say were were you a big sponge uh, I, of course, I'm a sponge. Don't I strike you as a sponge? I, I just sit I've back and quietly. Several people. I, yeah. I sit back and quietly listen. I yeah. just absorb everything around me until you talk. Yeah, uh-huh. it's true. Yeah, I, I I wish I had a dollar for every time when I grew up. I was told you have two ears and one mouth, and you should use them in uh-huh. that order. Uh-huh. But no, I I do mean it. It's just like everybody has this way of looking at things that if they would apply simple logic and say, hmm, wow, that's interesting. If someone wants to pay for the right to taste that on the off chance it may have some contaminants in it, so be it. Anything we do might have contaminants in it. The air we breathe or the food we eat. I just, for the love of God, people, leave it alone. If somebody wants to go off and do something stupid or if they think it's going to be reckless or anything else, let them do it. 
Absolutely. It, it just, it, it's ridiculous to try and govern people. If we were governing the right things, we wouldn't have the mess we did in our political system. But nevertheless, we are listening to a wine show, and I will not get off on that tangent today. We do have an interesting guest today. We have Mr. John Boyer. He is with the Department of Geography at Virginia Tech. Yes, please do not turn. Uh, speaking of high school, you know, all of a sudden the idea of uh, geography, the eyes just glaze over, everything just kind of goes, oh, wow, maps. But no, I promise, engaging, wonderful, going to get into trends in wine. Of course, wine is all about geography. There, there, there is no two ways about it. That's period. It's it. It's about the dirt, where the dirt is, what the aspect is of the dirt, and whether you can grow it or not. So we get the dirt on dirt today. We get the dirt on dirt, and I promise you it's going to be engaging. Uh, speaking of the dirt on dirt, uh, China has now become the number one producer of grapes. I saw that yesterday. And, yes. and France isn't even number two. No, France is a long, long way behind. So uh, it, it is going to be fun. You know, people ask me what trends we see in the business and where we would be 20 years from now. Again, I know people want to discount China and its potential to grow wine, but I'm not really sure why you want to discount that. You have to think about it. It's the largest country on the, I mean, it, it just, it's China. It is so untapped. It's like waking the sleeping giant. There is not a latitude it doesn't touch. I'm pretty sure of that. I'm sure somebody is going to correct me, but it, it definitely, one of the lines, 38, 39, 40, all the way up to 45, crosses the country. Mm -hmm. It has coast. It has mountains. It has all kinds of soils. You name it, they have it. They're going to be good at wine. There's no two ways about what it. What has taken them so long? I think a lot of it is infrastructure. I mean, ultimately, you look at China, and it has been, you know, one, taxes and tariffs. It's been very isolated. It's been very secluded. And you haven't had the infrastructure in place. They've had more important things like building the highways, building the buildings, than to worry about whether or not the wine's there. So uh, like everything the Chinese do, I'm sure that will be online. It will be happening quickly. And I am looking forward to trying some of the wine once it gets out. Will uh, Chinese wine be like Chinese food? Half hour later, I'll be thirsty for more. Is that basically it? You're going to get phone calls. I probably comment. will. I'm and sorry. For the first yes, I will. Time ever, it is not going to be me <laughs> under fire. Thank you for that. I definitely needed that. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> yes, speaking of geography, definitely looking forward to have John Boyer. But interestingly enough, uh, we have asked you a couple shows ago to go on Facebook and to respond to a listener question. Uh, would you pay more for a brand of wine you never heard of? Or would you want to pay the same amount or more for a brand you knew? And I actually have been fairly surprised at the responses. And maybe it's just that some of you who are very passionate and want to advocate trying new things, everyone came out and say, oh, we definitely want to be adventurous. We definitely want to try things. We want to see new things. We want to engage ourselves. But uh, this past month in April, uh, Wine and Spirits came out with their restaurant top 50 poll. Now, uh, Wine and Spirits, great magazine, but this is probably the magazine and the issue that I await every year because it, what it does, it enumerates the top 50 wines that are sold in our restaurants, and it's great to get our hands on that because it's a snapshot. What they do is there are certain restaurants that are polled, and there's a core group, but it expands every year, and they are asked what were the wines that were selling in the last quarter of 2014. You figure the bulk of your wine sales in restaurants are usually happen October, November, and December. That's when the most volume is going in, going out. And also it's going to determine what people are drinking and it will see. It, it will show you. It, it truly does. It's a great predictor of what is to come and what people are interested in. Uh, there are people that actually bet and gamble on this poll coming out. So um, couple that with our listener question. And I, I'm going to call a number of you out. But before I do that, this week. Uh, for those of you who are collectors, for those of you who um, really just enjoy having those things that are hard to get, uh, the Rocchioli 2013 Chardonnay has been released. Uh, this Chardonnay, uh, legendary. There's no other two ways about it. Uh, this is uh, River Road. Absolutely beautiful. But for those of you who like oak and for those of you who like acid, and there are great camps that will argue over different flavors, this wine is the perfect culmination of both. Yes, it is oaky, but it has enough acid, it has enough dirt in it that it balances out. Of course, you get great tropical fruit that you'd expect out of Sonoma, but definitely worth checking out. 
uh, don't blink. It will be gone shortly. You will definitely have to go to your favorite wine store and beg, borrow, steal to get some of that. Your red wine recommendation, and uh, I haven't gotten 100% on the bandwagon on this. It is my personal favorite, but I've been hiding and watching and waiting for this. Petite Syrah, to me, is, is probably my favorite red grape. People have asked me this over the years. Petite Syrah, Syrah, those are, those are two of my passion points. But what has happened with Petite Syrah? Obviously, Stag's Leap, market covered, great bottle, out there everywhere. In fact, I think it's on the restaurant top 50. Wine is just fabulous. But because of how good it is, Petite Syrah, it's not planted, say, like Cabernet is, Merlot, Pinot Noir. It's a hard grape to come by. So as such, when you find it, it tends to be expensive. Now, granted, as my husband will go ahead and assert all the time, I do have extraordinarily expensive taste, but something that I am going to drink day in and day out, I just can't see paying $30, $35, $40 a bottle for. We have finally come to where there's affordable Petite Syrah out there that's good. Affordable and good have been two things that didn't really meet before on Petite Syrah. Uh, but there are three out there right now that are definitely worth investigating. The one we are actually recommending on today's show is the Michael David Petite Petite. And I like it because it's fun. It's not trying to be a serious wine, although don't get yourself wrong. It is truly a serious wine. It's black. It's licorice. It's got that gorgeous dark color. And why I'm using this one as a recommendation, it's roughly 85% Petite Syrah, but the other 15% or so give or take, is Petite Verdot. And those are just two of my funky favorite all-time grapes. And you put together in one bottle and you're perfumey, you're great, you're extracted. So it's absolutely lovely. So go seek out Michael David Petite Petite. Don't be put off by the elephant on the label. Uh, it is uh, because it's a monster wine. It's a big wine. I like how they've decorated it under the circus top and definitely worth investigating. So your two wine recommendations, Rocchioli Chardonnay and Michael David Petite Petite. All right, we're going to take a quick break right here, and we're going to leave you hanging on. When we get back, we'll discuss uh, why I'm calling some of you out on saying you will buy the non-brand names and getting further into the Restaurant Top 50. For pictures, videos, show recaps, and more, become a fan of Wine Crush Radio Group on Facebook. Do you owe back taxes to the IRS? Newsflash, the president has changed the tax laws. And now, you may be able to pay the IRS less. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, the tax doctor can help you pay the IRS as little as possible allowed by law. There are new tax laws for business owners, the self-employed, even W-2 workers. If you have a back tax problem or a few years of unfilled returns, new help to save you money is now here. Call right now to see how the new tax Tax laws can help you. Plus, right now, we'll waive the consultation fee and give you a free tax savings report. Attention business owners, the self-employed, and W-2 workers. Make this free call to the tax doctor now and learn how to take advantage of the new tax laws that may help you pay the IRS less. 800-281-7048. 800-281-7048. That's 800-281-7048. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-542-6751. 1-800-542-6751. 1-800-542-6751. This is the news. This morning, we are saluting the 2.2 million women who have joined in the war effort. They now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. The prestigious Harvard Medical School is breaking ground today, opening its doors to new female applicants. 
Today, little girls all over the world look to the sky, where the first woman is now in space. Military stereotypes are challenged today with the trailblazing promotion of a U.S. female officer to four-star general. It was just announced that the vast majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Yeah, hi. I'd like to report a bear sighting. Location? Uh, in the woods, just outside of town. Oh, not surprising. You've got your home. Bears have theirs. Yeah, but see, this wasn't just any bear. This bear was wearing jeans and a hat, as in a smoky bear. Jeans and a hat, that's definitely smoky. What exactly did he have to say? Well, we were about to head home, you know, after having a bonfire. Oh, I can guess where this is going. Right, right. See, Smokey told me the fire wasn't actually out. He said if it's too hot to touch, it's too hot to leave. That's true. Did you know that 9 out of 10 wild fires are caused by humans that means nine out of ten wildfires can be prevented wow no kidding i'm a forest ranger we never kid sorry (laughs) that was a joke oh if you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire step in and make a difference because nine out of ten wildfires are caused by humans brought to you by smoky bear the u.s forest service your state forester and the ad council learn more at smokybear.com only you can prevent wildfires It's the Wine Crush. Sitting here thinking about the times I've wronged. I'm Laura Lawson. This is The Crush. Before the break, we were rehashing the very fact that I have put out to you the question of whether you would pay more for an unknown brand or something that you knew. And a lot of you were advocating that you would pay and want to try and experiment. And I'm not necessarily trying to shut you down. I think you're exaggerating. I have to admit it. I do. Uh, Again, uh, Wine and Spirits Restaurant Top 50. For those of you who have not read it, not seen it, not familiar with it, definitely go buy the magazine. It's worth reading because it gives you a good idea of what's going on around the country, not just regional, not just some random stupid survey. But uh, definitely something to bag, you know, definitely something to plan around. But it comes in, and this year's Top 50, they're, they're out and they're in print. And it's funny, I, I use my mother and her friends as kind of my, my litmus test on wines. Because my husband and I, I would say we're fairly well-rounded on wines. We have a passing knowledge, although I'm still in shock over 80,000 brands. Uh, I would say we have a passing knowledge of at least 90% of the wines in the California market. And what we're doing with the restaurant list is you sit back and like I said, these are the wines that are selling. And using my mom as a litmus test, I kind of went through it with her and her friends. And I had to get down to number 43 on the restaurant top 50 before I mentioned a name they didn't know of. Now, these women don't drink wine. They, Like I said, they see it occasionally at the club. It will pass by them. They don't have wine in their house unless I have brought it in. They are all scotch drinkers. But they knew the names of all these wines. So it tells me that if we're going out, we're spending our dollars, we're spending our money on wines. We are definitely investing in brands we know. So we, we can talk about being excited. We can talk about branching out. But ultimately, this just list has not changed. You're not going to find Laura Lawson Chardonnay on this list anytime soon. These are the benchmarks. These are the icons. These are what's on there year to year to year. Whether it's Jordan, whether it's Stag's Leap, Sonoma Gautrer, Duckhorn, Cape Bread, Camus, Silver Oak, Kistler, Veuve Clicquot, St. Michelle. It is a little bit of everything and these are all the household names. So, again, I want you to reconsider what you were thinking. Yes, I want people to go out, and I want people to try new things and try new brands. That's, that's why we have this wonderful concept in America that anybody can put something together as long as they like it. There is a wine for everybody. But, but don't just say you're always trying something new. Because I know every single one of you out there has that go-to bottle. Whether you will admit it or not, there's something that if you were on a desert island, you'd say, okay, this is what I know when this is consistent. So just putting it out there, just making you think about it. Yes, go ahead and admit it. There are wines that you drink regularly that you know. Everybody has to have their comfort food. Everybody has a comfort factor. 
Uh, interestingly enough, on that topic, I'm not. I figure if Kent's going to be in trouble with somebody calling in and complaining about him, I might as well go ahead and step in that boat with him. There was an article out recently that uh, the French are finally coming around to the concept uh, of garage istas. Garage istas. Yes, in America, uh, garage wine company. People who go out to the yeah, garage and make wine. Absolutely. And uh, that is obviously, we are we, we, we are pioneers. We always have been. You know, think about Josh Phelps. Think about some of the people on the show. Think about Jason Woodbridge. Hey, I can do that. Going out the garage, putting something together. Well, up until probably the last six months in France, it has been a very, very controversial hotbed with people literally being ostracized in their communities, with being disbarred, with being totally isolated from society because they aren't making wines like Bordeaux. They're not making wines in the historical fashion. They are not making and staying on tradition. Uh, it is only probably in the last six months that the garagistas, those that have taken a look around at the great land, at the great grapes, and thought, what, what, why am I making the same wine over and over again? Yes, I am not arguing that Bordeaux is amazing. There are some that out there that are literally life-changing. If you stay on the path and you stay in the rut, do you know what happens if you have a, a horse pull a plow long enough in the same rut over and over again? You have a cavern and you sink to the mm -hmm. bottom of it. Yes. And when you get to the bottom of the cavern, it's hard to get back out. So to be able to branch out, to try new things, we've got this great dirt, we've got these great vines, why don't we try something a little bit different? And finally, it is wonderful to see some of the French winemakers, some of this next generation coming through and saying, hey, I appreciate what you did over there at Aubriand, but hey, look at what I did with the Cabernet grape. So it's fun seeing that. And my hat's off to the French garage Eastas. Please continue doing what you're doing. If nothing else, we all know that the Americans will appreciate them. Maybe that will be our next import coming in, that we will eschew some of the Burgundies and Bordeaux and bring in some of the unique young rock star winemakers out of France because it is time for us to have some rock star winemakers out of France to shake the country up kind of like the boys did in Italy oh I don't know about 25 years ago so definitely worth checking out well we are gearing up to take another break when we return we will have Mr. John Boyer from the Department of Geography joining us here on The Crush travelers do you want to save money on your next flight then pick up the phone and call that's right call because the best prices are not online they're with smartfares see smartfares has special deals with the airlines when they have unsold seats they use smartfares to fill them so you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices our prices are too low to publish online with the extra money you'll save you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping so stop searching all of those travel sites to find the lowest price on your next flight. Let one of our SmartFares expert travel agents find ridiculously low prices for you. Call SmartFares today and get the best price on your next flight. Guaranteed. Also, save up to 50% off business and first class tickets. 800-989-0233. 800-989-0233. 800-989-0233. That's 800-989-0233. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I, I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest when I trail. Grow up, I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny I up, porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be a... 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 When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. 
And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. Unexpected reactions to smart financial decisions brought to you by FeedThePig.org. Well, I finally did it. My student loan is totally paid off. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. I paid more than the minimum each month and soon enough it was gone. So you're just giving up. Giving up on what? The life of luxury. Egyptian cotton, caviar Thursdays, designer everything. What are you talking about? Our plan. What happened to winning the lottery and mastering the art of the perfect mimosa? Hosting galas, wearing enough jewelry to require a bodyguard, vacationing in the French Riviera, and then buying it. I just thought maybe it was time to prepare for my future. You know, set some financial goals, make some smart investments, open a 401k. Financial goals? Investments? A 401k? You are horrifying right now. Listen, if winning the lottery were easy, everyone would do it. When it comes to financial stability, don't get left behind. Get tools and tips for saving at feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council on the next episode of Recipes for Disaster. So we've got our neighbor Paul coming over tonight for a barbecue, which is why I prepared a delicious lemon rosemary steak marinade for my special collection of old family recipes. To make sure the steaks are extra, extra, extra tender, I left them marinating out on the counter overnight, just like Nana used to. Maria may mean well, but without food safety, it never ends well. Always thaw or marinate foods in the refrigerator at 40 degrees Fahrenheit or below. Or you could make your friends and family really sick. Maria's neighbor Paul didn't think twice about the steak he ate until he was presenting his company's financial forecast to the board. That's when a sudden bout of food poisoning made it explicitly clear that profits weren't the only thing on the rise. Watch Recipes for Disaster at foodsafety.gov. You'll learn the right steps as Maria does everything wrong. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. And this is the wine crush and it just dawned on me we may have the perfect guest to answer kent's question from earlier right now we are being joined by mr john boyer department of geography at virginia tech john welcome to the wine crush well thank you so much see listeners i told you that just because he was in charge of the department of geography that he was going to be engaging and have a personality he's not very, to... he's very happy to be here too. yes that's a good thing <laughs> Well, let me set this record straight. I'm not in charge of the department or really anything else, but I drink a heck of a lot of wine and have a good time doing it. So let's start with that precedent. I like that. That Hey, that, that's the precedent of which this whole show is based on. We started out as drinkers and just decided to talk about it at some point. Well, there you go. I'm in that camp. All right. So what exactly do you do besides being a wine drinker and being fascinated by wine? Tie it all together for me. What, what, what is it that brought you to wine, and why are you joining us to talk about wine today? Well, I'm here because you invited me. <laughs> that, all right. I know what question. I know. I'm trying to share it with our listeners. <laughs> the rest of it's slightly more complicated, and cut me off anytime you want, because I am a professional lecturer here at the university, so I will talk for the next 10 hours if you let me. I've heard but that about you. We'll is, be great. Okay, well, the short answer is I uh, knew nothing about wine as an undergraduate here at Virginia Tech, and I was in a class where we had to pick a project that had something to do with Virginia. And so I said, hey, I've heard, and this is back in the 90s, I'm dating myself now, early 90s. And uh, I said, yeah, I've heard about this Virginia wine industry that's up and coming and booming. So I started doing some research, did a research project on that. Uh, It got some uh, attention. And I was then given a grant uh, to do some continued research as a graduate student on where vineyards were located at and where the best vineyards should be located at. So it was kind of a bioclimatological study type of thing. And I very early on learned about the whole concept of terroir, and that fascinated me. And I'm like, yes, of course. Certain (laughs) areas with certain soils and certain precip, yeah, they should have certain grapes growing there. So I've been a huge advocate of terroir of all things, but uh, mostly with wine. Uh, from an early age, and this is before I even really got into drinking a lot of wine. I loved the concept so much. I said, yeah, I want to be able to taste different flavors from the same Chardonnay from different sides of the state of Virginia. So I came at wine from a different direction, and then I'll, I'll shorten the story. 
one thing led to another when I was finishing my graduate work with that thesis on Virginia wine and somebody said, hey, can you teach a class? Because we're short some people and somebody's retiring and somebody's on sabbatical. And I said, yeah, sure. I, I, I understand that. That's how I wound up with the radio classes. show. All of a sudden they look around and say, we don't have enough people. Hey, you, you over there in the corner, come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need, we got some warm bodies. Can you talk to them? And I said, sure. So uh, the very first or second year that I taught, I said, hey, uh, most universities have a, a wine appreciation or, or a geography of a wine class, so I'd like to teach one of those. So I mostly have learned about wine by teaching it, which if the old adage is true. If you really want to know something, teach it, because it forces you to understand what's going on in all aspects of it. So I taught the first wine class, I want to say 1999, maybe 2000. Very nice. And, uh, yes. Well, it, it, here's this, this great anecdote about it, uh, and it really demonstrates everything that is so exciting about uh, wine in America to me. So when I started teaching this class 15, 16 years ago, I had to beg 20 people to take it. Beg. I was putting up flyers. Hey, this is a class on wine. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, hundreds of people sign up for this class. You're on a college campus. You weren't talking about Jägermeister and Budweiser. You are going to be in, in trouble. Exactly. So I had to beg 20 people to take this class 15 years ago. On the first day, I said, oh, how many of you tried wine? And, and one timid little girl raised her hand and said, does Thunderbird count? And I said, well, sure. So two or three of them raised their hands. Uh, and uh, the, the summary of this anecdote is that all these years later, the class went, went from 20, jumped up to 50 uh, by year two, jumped up to 100 the year after that and uh, jumped up to 600. So I teach it every spring to about 600 people. And to show you how America has changed in the last decade, I go into class now on the first day and say to 600 students and say, how many people have tried wine? Every single hand goes up. Uh, And I say, okay, well, how many of you drink wine on what you would consider a regular basis? Every single hand goes up. And I would say, okay, not counting Thunderbird or Ripple, (laughs) every single hand still stays up. I mean, and that is in basically one decade of a massive cultural drinking shift in our country that, you know, 20 and 21-year-old students are now very familiar with wine. 21-year-old students. 21. Uh, well, okay. <clears throat> yeah, tw- just 21 and up, sure. There you go, John. Thank you. We, we, we appreciate that. We, we, we run a clean show around here, and certainly we don't need any problems with the FCC. We are definitely preaching to our 21 and legal drinking crowd. <laughs> just like you are at a college campus, I'm sure. They actually ID at the door. So, uh, yes. I, well, we don't really drink in class, so I don't really have those issues. I just teach about the stuff and then promote uh, people to go learn more and blog about it and do food and wine with their friends and family and things of that nature. But do you know how it, it's amazing? The excitement I can see you generating definitely comes through when you're talking about it. Because, again, I, I still, you and I share the same mentality. If you don't know anything about a topic, start teaching it because you'll have mm. to learn real fast. And for those of us, uh, particularly you, know, you are much younger, but those of us who are teaching or preaching or talking about wine, we had to go out essentially on archaeological digs to figure out what there was about wine and to teach about it. And now we've got everybody excited and wanting to be part of it and wanting to embrace it. And oh, it, yeah. obviously, well, you're in a situation, if you're teaching 600 people, we can see more classes in your future. But say we snap our fingers and 10 years from now, you and I, unfortunately, are probably still doing the same things. God rest our souls at this point. <laughs> what are you going to see in your class? What's going to be different? What are you going to be teaching then that you're not teaching now? Just in terms of wine knowledge, um, I think we're going to, in fact, I'm a great futurist, a great predictor of things when it comes down to it. And so I think what's going to happen with wine is that everything America does, we take it to the extreme. We get the ex-sports. We're not even satisfied with sports. We need ex-sports. We need extreme sport. We need extreme Doritos, all right? (laughs) So I think what we're going to see with wine, and we've already seen it, is with American winemaking uh, is it's very exploratory. It's very experimental. It's very extreme. It's very unique. It's, uh, you know, wine personifies the winemaker in our country, and that's very different than in Europe where wine is the embodiment of the terroir in the region. That's actually kind of the stuff I teach. So what I think is very predictable from my perspective in America is that as more and more people drink wine and pretty much everybody drinks wine pretty much all the time in the next 10 years, that it's going to become more and more and more nuanced. So people are going to start saying, okay, well, we all know what Chardonnay is now. We all know what Cabernet Sauvignon is now. 
oh, what are these other crazy grapes? Have they had a Tanat? So everybody's going to be trying a lot of different other types of grapes, and then we're going to progress to what does a, a, a Chardonnay do from Florida versus Alaska? And what does it do from this valley to the next valley? And, oh, I've had this Chardonnay from these chalky limestone soils in West Virginia. That, that stuff, again, very nuanced terroir-based stuff, that's definitely going to be the future. Great. We're so, actually, so basically, we're going to make this more difficult before we make it easier is what you're saying. Well, the knowledge base in general, the whole bar is going to be so raised that we're all speaking from a, a common vocabulary that then you start branching off to try new things or that the conversation will flow to different new things, more nuanced, intricate things. And again, it's the same way that uh, Americans, mostly Californian winemakers, really experiment with wine. And That's what they're doing the with, the, with their machinations and everything else. Hey, John, yeah. we got to take a quick break right here, but I do want to pick up right where we're leaving off. I want to start back with common vocabulary as soon as we hear a little bit from our sponsors. How would you rate this one, Miles? Well, usually they start you on wines with learning disabilities, but this one is pretty damn good. This is the new one. Yeah. You could work in a wine store, Miles. <laughs> Follow host Laura Lawson on Twitter at Wine Crush Radio. This is the Wine Crush. If you suffer from heartburn or other digestive-related disorders, then there is a new, safe, better, and natural alternative to better digestive wellness and heartburn relief. Praxid not only provides relief of heartburn, but Praxid takes a 360-degree approach to support better digestion, protect you from harmful bacteria, and also balance your stomach to improve digestive functions. We like to think of it as the multivitamin of digestive health. It's the only product to combine all natural ingredients known for the digestive health properties into a single patented product. Praxid also comes in easy-to-carry packs. Praxid relieves, restores, and maintains a healthy digestive system. Praxid is available here for only $39.95. Shipping and handling is free, and your money back is guaranteed. To take advantage of this special radio offer, call now, 1-800-829-5735. That's 1-800-829-5735. Again, 1-800-829-5735. Do you use the expensive blue or yellow pills to charge your sex life? Are you thinking about it? What if we could promise you the same results for less than $3 a pill? If you're paying $20 a pill for the other pills, you're getting taken to the cleaners. Call On Call Pharmacy right now and save as much as $700. 800-884-7919. On Call Pharmacy delivers the exact same results for less than $3. You'll save more than $16 a pill for the same results. And right now, radio callers will get 44 blue or yellow pills for $120 with free discreet shipping. You can save more more than $700 off pharmacy prices. Call On Call Pharmacy now and take advantage of this special offer. 800-884-7919. Charge your sex life now and save a ton of money. Call now and get your 44 pills and save over $700 and qualify for free shipping. Stop overpaying and call right now. 800-884-7919. 800-884-7919. 800-884-7919. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, couch purring, bed leaping, and of course, companionship. Wonderful. And what breed would you say Nico is? I'd have to go with a tabbyish Persian kind of mix. Tremendous cat. I'd also like to point out her coat's wonderful mix of colors. Is it black, gray, gray, black, brown? Somewhere in between. Indeed. You know, it's always special when we get to see a cat like this. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And how she's so incredibly cute in her indifference to commands. A strong-willed feline. Ah, and see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. I know. Fantastic cat. Fantastic indeed. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. These heels, all they're good for is walking through your door and laying on your bedroom floor. Good wine and bad decisions. Welcome back to The Crush. I'm Laura Loss, and right now we are mid-stride with Mr. John Boyer. From Virginia Tech, who is teaching geography and wine appreciation, and who is very much a fun and passionate guest. John, are you still with us? 
I am here for you. That's what I like. I wish more men in my life would actually adopt that philosophy. It would be so much easier. All right, question for you. We were discussing the fact that, yes, obviously we're in a situation in the states that every single of the 50 states in the United States has a winery, at least one. And I'm saying mm -hmm. it's just at least is staggering. When you're looking around and you're saying that we're going to look at different nuances, uh, a Chardonnay from North Carolina versus a Chardonnay from Georgia versus a Chardonnay from New York and one from California, we'll be looking at different styles. Obviously, all of our listeners cover all these states, and they've had the opportunity to taste local. Now, I'm not asking you to call out name names. In what you've encountered in looking at the geography of wine, is there anybody out there that's making wine that shouldn't be as a region, as a state, as a soil type? <laughs> yeah, I'll start naming off wineries. Right I would not. Don't, no, no. We, uh, but, uh, you know, if, if you have red clay, you shouldn't be growing wine. If you have uh, black tar sand, you shouldn't be growing wine. Are there, are, are there some? Yeah, you know, I don't even uh, want to limit experimentation based on, say, soils. Mostly, and this is going back to my research as a professor here at the university, uh, mostly what you want to do is site your vineyards properly. So I wouldn't even say that someone shouldn't grow in Alaska or Florida. It's more, hey, when you site things, you have to consider mostly putting your vineyards where they're not going to die. Everything <laughs> else is relative. It's all relative. So we may say, well, I don't, the Chardonnay grapes don't do very well here. This soil doesn't promote you know, a mineral element to it. But that's all relative. Everybody should be growing everywhere, honestly, in my opinion, because guess what? That's what the Europeans did for two to 3,000 years. And it was through experimentation and trial and error in every type of soil in every corner of Europe where they discovered, hey, Chardonnay is really good in Burgundy. Hey, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is really good over here in Bordeaux. And so we are basically, we're still baby-stepping. Yes, California's been making wines for uh, 50, 60, or 100 years, but we're talking thousands, and we're talking uh, a long time to figure out what grapes are suited to what terroirs and what unique things happen when we put grapes in terroirs they've never been in before. So I say go for it. Everybody should be growing everywhere, but site your vineyard so it doesn't have massive frost risk or, or it doesn't have minimum low winter temperatures that are going to wipe it out because, you know, that's just not going to work for you. No, you aren't going to plant the temperate grapes. I mean, think about it. Go back 200 years. Thomas Jefferson, George Washington convinced mm -hmm. we'll never grow grapes, we'll never have great wine, everything else, and look at exactly where you are today and what your thesis was on, the very fact of growing grapes and the great wineries that are in Virginia. So yeah, absolutely. it just takes us time. Hey, I don't know if you can speak towards this, but it'll be interesting to get your opinion. You seem very well educated in the topic. Kent was asking me well, earlier. Well, thank you, Laura. I, I'm here. Well, we'll see how you answer the question. <laughs> we'll, we'll go ahead and vote after that. Okay. Uh, we were discussing earlier China and what's happening there. And of course, in the news this week, uh, you know, with the Chinese having the amount of grapes planted and Kent had asked me, you know, is China ever going to produce great wine? And my answer, honestly, was, for the love of God, as big as that country is, every possible uh, tempercline, every possible dirt soil type aspect, sun, latitude is going to be there. Am I right in assuming that China can produce outstanding wine? Is it just, I mean, the sheer size of the country, it seems to dictate something's going to be great coming out of it. Is that right or wrong? Well, you're going to love me even more because you are absolutely correct. I'm Whoever keeping you. disagreed with you. I'm is... keeping you. He gets to be on again. <laughs> yes. Uh, you have summed it up pretty succinctly. And not only is China a big place, and I'm a geographer, so I can speak from, you know, from the hip here on facts. Uh, <laughs> China is almost exactly the same size as continental United States. In fact, yeah, I shouldn't say continental United States. China is almost exactly the same size as all the United States, but it kind of overlaps. If you kind of moved latitude-wise and just moved China and superimposed it on the United States, it would fit pretty much perfectly. So they don't have much of a west coast, obviously, because they have no water on the western side of China. But you have tremendous variation in biomes and, and you know, terroirs across this huge, vast area increasingly we like a lot of the drier areas to grow vineyards because you can control precipitation and that would be virtually all of central and western china which is where some quality wines are already coming out of and then you start to put on more cultural factors like this let's see cost of labor nothing 
Uh, vineyards and wine production is very labor-intensive, and it's a li- that's a limiting factor in some parts of the planet. Not in China, it's not. You have a 1.3 or 1.4 billion citizens that are getting rich, and what do rich people do? They start drinking more wine, so demand is starting to go through the roof. China's a savvy enough government that they want to supply that demand. They don't want all their people just buying European wines, which is what's happening right now with the super rich. So they have a you know ten or twenty year plan. Uh, well, knowing the Chinese, a two hundred year plan in place that <laughs> says, "Hey, we expect domestic demand is going to go up by this much. We are going to invest in people to be producing wine here, and that's already happening, and it's happening at a breakneck pace." China, within the next 20 years, will be the world's biggest wine producer, and China in 20 years will be the world's biggest wine consumer, and it may be only 10 years. I love it. I like to hear it, and I like to hear your excitement with it. Well, John, we're getting ready to have to wrap this this whole thing up, but number one, I want to say this. Yes, you have passed the litmus test. You are definitely going to be back on the crush, but uh, <laughs> if there was one thing, one small, short tidbit you could give our listeners to take away on the geography or wine or wine trends, what would it be? Uh, Always experiment. you got to keep trying new grapes from new places. Uh, Maybe you've heard this a million times from other guests, but there are a lot, lot, lot of grapes out there that most listeners, even wine connoisseurs, have probably not bumped into yet. And then you put them in a different terroir, and they're going to do something different anyway. So always experiment. Don't get caught in the same rut of getting great wines from the same old places. I like the way you think and definitely looking forward to having you back on the crush. And who knows if I'm ever up your way, definitely going to drop into your class, if nothing else, just to heckle you. Please do. You're always welcome. All right, John. We'll take care. Hey, after we get done with this short break on the crush, we will wrap up today's show and we will take a look at what's coming ahead in the next few weeks. Need a wine recommendation for a party? Want Laura to address something on the show? Email her at lauralawson at winecrush.com. An adult elephant can weigh up to six tons. The average person, 150 pounds. Ever heard of carfentanil? It's a large wild animal tranquilizer. Illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it. It can kill the average human. If you or a loved one is addicted to opiates, even pain pills, don't wait until it's too late. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline now. We care. Many of us have been where you are. We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 800-915-9734. 800-915-9734. That's 800-915-9734. The IRS is the most feared agency in the world. You've heard ads from other companies offering to help taxpayers only if they owe over $10,000. Here at Platinum Tax Defenders, we're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and we're proud to be one of the only tax firms in the country who understands that people who owe less than $10,000 need help just as badly. The IRS doesn't care how much money you owe. They'll still garnish your wages and even seize your assets. So whether you owe just a few thousand dollars or hundreds of thousands, call now for your free tax consultation. If you qualify, we may even be able to reduce your tax debt down to a small fraction of what you owe. So don't wait until the IRS seizes your property and garnishes your wages. Call 800-856-1330 and get your tax problem resolved once and for all. That number again is 800-856-1330. 800 856 1330. As I went through school, one giant question loomed over me. What did I want to be? But in order to know what I wanted to be, I had to first decide what I wanted to make. I wanted to make more. So I became a teacher. Now I make learning a privilege, not a chore, and frustration a tool, not an obstacle. I make working hard seem easy and giving up impossible. I make an old subject feel like a fresh thought and unconventional methods common. I make material things less important and little things like patience and kindness count. I make weekdays more exciting than weekends and classrooms feel like anything but. 
I make things different, which is all I ever hoped for. I'm a teacher. I make more. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. Welcome back to The Crush. I'm Laura Lawson. That was great hearing from Mr. John Boyer. Uh, you, you had to admit, can you imagine having to sit and speak to 600 students in a lecture hall? That would be a well, little bit uh, intimidating. What so, I thought was most fascinating was how he started out. I mean, just what made the difference? When he started, he had 20 students? Yes. 10, 15 years ago. What has made us so interested in wine? Uh, I think that's a because no one knew anything. Because we joke about it, and that's why wine was so difficult for so long. Uh, 20 years ago, the Internet wasn't in its heyday. People didn't have access to wine. We didn't have the wine shops, the wine stores. We didn't have wine people who were branching out and putting new and different things on their list, along with the tried and true. There wasn't as much interest. It was the bailiwick of the, you know, the upper echelon of society or the sommeliers. And now everybody has access to everything. And let's face facts, wine's cool. Oh, you he's got them not. study. He's got them studying geography and dirt. Yes, he's got to be a Pied Piper. I, I I don't think so. I think when you can put things in context, and when you hear his energy level and how he looks at things, I'm a firm believer. If people are excited and passionate about things, they can inspire those around them. And he definitely sounds like someone who can inspire people. Look, I promise you, if you want to sit down and uh, God forbid, if I ever have to study all the different regions of Australia again. My heart goes out. I love my Aussie friends, but everything there is a river. It is a lake. It is a bog. It is a valley. It is something. And by the time you get done with that, you're cross-eyed. But sitting down with someone like John Boyer, who can breathe life into it, that's what makes it interesting. And Kent, I think that's why people are fascinated about wine. It's living and it's breathing. It may not necessarily be able to formally speak back to you, but it can talk and tear where it's been and what it was. So that's what I like about it, and that's what I enjoy. And that's something to sum up and get through today's show, whether we're looking ahead to the wines of China, where you're looking at the wines we have available in the States that are great and our standbys, whether we have the wines that you are looking to experiment and try. It's all about looking at a wine universe and coming down to that common vocabulary. And the common vocabulary is in the bottle. It doesn't mean that I call it Tenat. It doesn't mean that I call it Primitivo. It doesn't mean that I call it Cabernet Franc or call it by different names. As long as we are all speaking the language of the grape, we'll make it work. As always here in The Crush, reminding you to sip socially, to drink responsibly, to drink what you like, not what you're told, but most importantly, in vino veritas, in wine, there is truth. I'm Laura Lawson, and I'll talk with you next week. 